Why pick one city, one beach, one restaurant, or even one view? With Celebrity Cruises, you can have it all. Explore the best of Europe, the Caribbean, and Alaska with the best premium cruise line. And now get 75% off your second guest, plus bonus savings on select dates with Celebrity Cruises' semi-annual sale. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Offer applies to non-refundable fares and select sailing. Savings vary by stateroom category. Other terms apply. Visit Celebrity.com for details. Ships Registry Malta. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode of Clear and Vivid with Laura Brown is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Discovery. For more than 30 years, Discovery's global networks have been helping hundreds of millions of viewers understand their lives, their communities, and the world around them. From science and nature to food and lifestyle, and now the world's biggest sporting events and greatest names in travel and documentary films, the Discovery family proudly informs, entertains, and powers the passions that drive our planet. Why pick one city, one beach, one restaurant, or even one view? With Celebrity Cruises, you can have it all. Explore the best of Europe, the Caribbean, and Alaska with the best premium cruise line. And now get 75% off your second guest, plus bonus savings on select dates with Celebrity Cruises' semi-annual sale. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Offer applies to non-refundable fares and select sailing. Savings vary by stateroom category. Other terms apply. Visit Celebrity.com for details. Ships Registry Malta. I'm Alan Alda, and this is Clear and Vivid, conversations about connecting and communicating. But every woman that I want to feature in the magazine is doing great work of some description. Like the first badass issue I did was like Serena Williams, Ali Raisman, gymnast, Monica Lewinsky, who is like the biggest badass, who's just come through all of that with such grace again. They're all just presented it in the same way, and so there's not like, here's your movie star and here's your granola. <laughs> you know, it's like they're all, they're all just rad ladies, and that's what brings them into the magazine. That's Laura Brown, editor-in-chief of InStyle magazine. Laura had the graceful chutzpah to feature me in her magazine as a badass. I had no idea what that meant, so I couldn't let it go unexplored. It turns out badass is a compliment, and it led to an interesting discussion of what style is, what it communicates, and how it spreads. Laura's a lively person, so we invited her to join me before a live audience at Guild Hall in East Hampton, New York. And now, without further ado, you who want to know how to be a badass, please welcome to the stage two great badasses, Alan Alda and Laura Brown. Thank you. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for coming tonight. This is so great to see you. Good evening. Thank you. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you know, we're, this is our podcast that we're doing tonight for the first time in front of a live audience. I'm so uh, sorry. 
This is Laura Brown, who is the editor-in-chief, right? The editor-in-chief? Yes, chief of, is important. Of InStyle magazine. And I'm so happy, Laura, I'm so happy to be talking to you tonight about style because I don't understand it. I have never understood it. That's because you are it. No. Yeah. No, I'll tell you how I know I'm not it. I don't get it. I, I wear these... Uh, white sneakers a lot, right? My granddaughter, Olivia, says, you know, that's very in. You're very fashionable. And sometimes I wear my shirt outside my pants and people say to me, oh, you're part of the untucked generation. This is the way I've been dressing since I was 11 years old. Consistency is key. Is it? Yes. I thought you were supposed to like look different every day. That's exhausting and basic. So what is style? I mean, I don't get um, it. I think, God, I mean, I've worked in fashion for a long time. Style is not being slavish to fashion. Style is knowing yourself. So if you're putting something on your body and that, you know, it makes you feel good, like, oh, is this a badass T-shirt right here? Yeah, I feel good. But if it makes you feel good and something else makes you feel not yourself, then don't wear it. And those people that have style develop a consistency and an idea of the thing that makes them feel good. And that makes them stand out in whatever way it is in a singular way. But everybody, when a style is in fashion, yeah. everybody wears it. I don't think they do it as much anymore, to oh, be yes, honest with really? you. Oh, yes, really? Yeah, I think, because I've been in, God, fashion for a long time, 20-something years, and seeing, like, how many times are the 60s in? How many times are the 70s in? Like, like there's no other decades that ever existed. And after a while, you just, like, you pick what you like, and, and the idea we do, we cover the shows every season, and it's like, there was a lot of embroidery. There was a lot of silver. But I don't see people walking around in, say, six slavish cults of embroidery and silver and cowboy. And it just doesn't work like that anymore because I think we've got bigger fish to fry, honestly. And when I see somebody at a show and they're fully dressed up like victimy and whatever the designer's doing, they, they really look ridiculous. And, <laughs> and, and everyone around kind of knows. <laughs> But what's this I've read about for years? Yes. That there's some committee that gets together every year and decides on what the color is going to be. That's, that the, that's the Devil Wears Prada monologue. Remember Meryl and Devil Wears Prada and she does the whole thing about cerulean blue? And that the, is Annie, what's her name of the assistant? No, Annie was the actress, the whatever. Anne Hathaway, but what was the character's name? Andy. Andy, Andy Sachs. And she was like, this sweater that you're wearing right now has come down the way because one person decided so long ago this would be and you're a product of this system basically she says it much better than i would so it's doesn't not, that exist isn't there this no committee? there's no committee there's no committee there's, no there's no I committee i read about it every year or so what you mean this is fake news no alan there's no committee there's no committee no nothing nothing nefarious happens what designers do do is they obviously put their inspiration together they have an idea of what sells and they have to do that, but they all go buy fabrics a certain time of the year and then they all go and explore and do all of that and people bring the ideas and sometimes people are thinking similar things. I think the best designers read the room, you know, read the sort of global room and how women want to feel and appear and to feel like their best selves and feel the most comfort in themselves, not to be trussed up like some fantasy of a man that's frankly never going to date him anyway. Is there any connection between what they show on the runways in fashion yeah. shows and what people wear? I don't see any connection. Uh, not immediately. You know, what's the best example of a trend, actually, that I noticed for a while? Because I didn't notice anything for ages, but it's white boots. 
White. White boots. And why, I think white, the first, like, not the first, but like this former designer at Celine, Phoebe Philo, who was like a cult leader, like all the others died for her, all the others died for her. And she started doing these white shoes. And after a while, it was a bit like this Devil Wears Prada thing, this white started to pop everywhere on all of these outfits. And then like last year, it was all just white boots and they don't seem to show any sign of going away actually. But that's the last thing I've really seen that people super adopted. Sometimes it seems to pop up by itself. I remember reading about... <laughs> like a blister. Yeah. Yeah. Remember when hush puppies were going to go out of business? Oh, yeah. And then they got popular with a group of people in Seattle. Oh, and, yes. And then it spread, and hush puppies stayed in business oh, for years. Yeah, because actually irony is always fashionable. So hush puppies are ironic? Yeah. Well, like ironic, cool, you know what I mean? Or just like this sort of idea of like, this is no, so uncool and making it cool. But it's also very, very conscious. Like you think of Birkenstocks, which by, by their own nature are not very attractive shoes. But I love them. I wear them. But they're, they're, they're cool. They're because, because you're being ironic when you wear them? Well, it's kind of like I'm wearing like clunky German shoes. And you know what I mean? I think there's well, that this, sort of see, idea. This brings up an interesting question to me. What are you saying? What are you communicating uh. through style? Do you get dressed to feel good or to say something? Depends on, I think it depends on what you're doing. But I, I think that one thing that style or what you wear unifies everybody. It doesn't matter if you're an editor going to sit in front row at a fashion show, if you're a plumber going to fix a pipe somewhere, you're going to put your shirt on or your dress on because it makes you feel a certain way to get out in the world. I think that's not to be disparaged. You know, fashion can be silly and flighty and everything else, but it's always a thought. You decided tonight was going to be that shirt and that sweater, which is spectacular, by the way. But <laughs> you make a decision. Every single person here, you like your white shirt. You like your T-shirt. You like your jaunty stripes under your pink or orange jacket, my lady, right there. Uh, but I do think that the, the better you get to know yourself, and I think getting older really helps, that but you don't succumb to so much of those pressures and you just start doing you, you know? It interests me that so many people, and, and even throughout history, have been really, really interested in becoming part of the fashion scene. I read, right. I read a letter that George Washington wrote. He wrote this letter to a carriage maker in London and said, I want a new carriage built and I want it painted in the latest fashion. <gasps> George Washington. It's been there since time immemorial. I mean, we weren't around to see that, but it is, it's status. And so if you're okay, if it's your shiny carriage or your new shoes, and there is that feeling of like, I always say, if you buy a new piece of clothing, oftentimes it's the first thing you put on. Like you could have a wardrobe full of clothes, be like, oh, new. And yeah. there's something about that newness that makes you feel something too. And I don't know how you could quantify that, but it's the first thing out of the bag and you put it on because it's new. And then I wear only that for the next six months. You wear the only that for the next yeah. six months. I'm, and the funny thing is, every, every 20 years, the clothes I wear come back into style. Yeah. But I don't mean the kind of clothes I wear. I mean the actual clothes. The actual clothes. I know. I did a fashion thing once. <gasps> One time? When MASH was ended, right. there was a big party, and we all were wearing tuxedos. And I wore my boots for MASH with the tuxedo. Oh, Now, that's, that's a style thing, isn't that's it? That's a style thing. You know what we'd call that? What? Get ready. Yeah. High-low. 
You like a you take a fancy you thing. You got you got names for these things. Oh, darling, I could bo- I, you could all die tonight. I would just bore you to death with this. But high low is if you wear a fa- fancy thing, but with another more subversive thing. Like so, if you wear a couture dress with white sneakers. Oh, that's high low. That's how I would wear a couture dress. As I once complimented Klinger on his dress, he he was tasteful without being ga- without being gaudy. I mean, that's the dream. He yeah. taught us all so much. <laughs> so now let's yes. get down to the definition of what you called me in your magazine. <gasps> oh, you were so offended. You called me badass man. Yeah. And I thought you liked me. I know. I was, I was just eroding you. You were actually, you're our first and maybe only badass man. No kidding. No kidding. Because it's you. It's nothing but you. I've been, obviously, you've been a hero of mine for a long time, and then I was so captivated by your speech at the SAG Awards, which was very, hey, it was very just open and honest and being like, yes, the world's, we can say this, world's in the shitter, um, but we're artists and we're going to do what we can. And I thought that was, was wonderful, and, I, and that's sort of the attitude that I try to take in anything that I do in, in journalism. Oh, that was very and, nice, and because usually, usually you do a series on badass women. Badass women, yeah. yes, because we don't like men apart from you. Just kidding. <laughs> um, haters! Uh, the, no, they're fine. Anyway, so the genesis of all of this was um, about a year, no, two years ago, this uh, yeah, summer actually, and that July, two years ago, Trump announced his, what, his first, and sadly he's done it secondly and it's worked, but his first trans ban in the military. And I remember just furious, like in my bones, just so angry. And I came into work and I was like, to my features department, I was like, can you please find me, I'd like to find a trans woman who's serving in the military and profile her on the magazine. Uh, and so we found a woman whose name is Jennifer Peace, if you can believe, um, who uh, has fought in every war since like 92, I think. She's married, got three kids, I'm reading all about her. And as I finished reading, I just was with my team. I was like, God, what a badass. And then I was like, oh, oh, that's something. Because that's something that comes from your gut. It's not something which is like a lot of women's magazines or sites or whatever, like, what's our platform? What's our women's thing? You don't, can't think like that. You've got to think about what affects you in your gut and what is sort of good and right. And so I really was hopped up. I was like, I want a trans woman in the military on the website once a week. And my team was like, okay. Um, but we ended up doing once a month in the magazine and once a week on the website of var- various women, from scientists to actors to historians to, and it just felt... Good. And what I say, I sort of what, how I've described it has changed over, over, over a couple of years, but I sort of say it very quickly. It's like you, you show up, you speak up, and you get things done. Like it's something so about... So that, that's what badass is. To me, to, to me, I mean, just it is quite simple. Like it's not... It was funny, actually, because I, I shot um, Melissa McCarthy for our second... We've done three badass issues now. And I shot Melissa for the second one. And she was like, this doesn't mean I've got to be like in a leather jacket and riding a motorbike, does it? And I was like, no, no, that's, that's not what it is. It's not an idea. It's not a theatrical idea of being tough. But it's having accomplished something having, of value. Having accomplished something of value and stood up, yeah. stood up for something, whether you're heralded or not. And I also think, especially now, um, being empathetic. Uh. I think being empathetic is the most badass thing. It's just not the obvious stuff. It's just, it's now it's like listening and... and, and caring about people and speaking up when things aren't right and, and, and continuing to do that. And that's the women that 
I've focused on, and, and Melissa and I talked about this a lot because we were talking about being, her being an entertainer and, and, and we were like, we were like, oh, we sort of agreed that I say like a lighter hand has more power than a shaking fist. And so it's, that's why what we've been able to do with this and, and I'm so thrilled to be talking about this whole idea with you that I just came stomping into work with one day, mm. that, that it's, it's a type of woman and, I, and, what, oh, and the funniest thing. So I'm like saying, I'm going to do this badass woman issue. And my advertising department was like, badass? <laughs> Ass? I thought it was going to turn people away tonight. Uh, I know. Oh, they're all here. The, 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 so many asses. The, 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 <laughs> no, the, just, just saying how to be a badass, I thought <laughs> people are going to say to one another, Madge, you want to go see these two people talk about badass? <laughs> and Madge says, what, what's on TV? Yeah. So in presenting women in a style magazine, yes. in the style magazine. The. Go on. Presenting women <laughs> who are known not so much for what they wear or right. how, they, how they live in the world of style. Did you get any uh, pushback from your readers or did you get the opposite? No, yeah, no, we got the opposite. Um, we treat every person the same. Obviously, I go to a cover shoot and there's an actress and she's got people with her and and it's a, it's a production, right? Versus if I'm doing a shoot on an immigration lawyer, it's not such a production. There's, there's those elements of it. But every woman that I want to feature in the magazine is doing great work of some description. Like the first badass issue I did was like Serena Williams, Ali Raisman, gymnast, Monica Lewinsky, who is like the biggest badass, who's just come through all of that with such grace again. Um, a woman, uh, Dorothy, I can't remember her last name, but she's an ele elephant trainer in Kenya. Like it was just, but they're all just there. They're all just presented it in the same way. And so there's not like, here's your movie star and here's your granola. <laughs> you know, it's like they're all, they're all just rad ladies. And that's what brings them into the magazine. So do you think it's in style now for women to be regarded equally with men? Or do we still need more badass women to make <sighs> the point? I would love, you know what I think real progress will be was when that question's redundant. Uh -huh. You know, I think that I would love, I, what I, I also have a, 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 a pet peeve sometimes. I, I also don't love the term um, glass ceiling because I feel like the more feminist movement often took aim at the things that women did to be more appealing to right. men. Lipstick, uh, attention to how they appeared in terms of their clothing mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. things like that. You're doing something different. You're yeah. accepting that. And in terms of that, you're presenting women who are making progress and making change. Yeah. Is, how, how, have well, you thought that through? Yeah, you? I, think that we, I think women are capable of working to change immigration law and loving a good lipstick. Like, it's not... These are not mutually exclusive, you know, and I think that we can have that girlish excitement when you get your new shoes and you can go and camp. I know I had girlish excitement when I got. I mean, you sneakers. are girlish excitement. <laughs> my sneakers make me I gotta really show happy. You, I got to show you mine. I got Air Force Ones, Nikes. They're also white. I wear them all day. It'd be so weird if I turn up in them tonight. Something just occurred to me. Uh, not, I was looking at your shoe and it's not <laughs> it's not what I'm talking about. I'm but so sorry. I should see, I change? No, no, no. When I see somebody wearing an extremely high heel, oh. I think, is this really way different from foot binding? I mean, 
Or is this you really can, worth it? You can get, you can hurt yourself seriously if you fall yeah. off your own shoes. I've got, I know it's a, your shoes when your shoes are a death trap. Yeah. Um, but, that's, but is that a good idea? I've I mean look, there's some ladies that just want to be taller and 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 go, but I've kind of moved on from crazy big high heels honestly because I just don't want to wobble. I, I like I used to I like the feeling of like a long leg, because who doesn't, you know? Uh, I know, well, you didn't have to worry, but um, not to you be inappropriate. My, you should see me in heels. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> you think I look good now. <laughs> when we come back, we find out that there are actually people more unfashionable than I am. And Laura Brown explains how she herself became a badass. She was born on a dairy farm in rural Australia, and she's made it to the pinnacle of fashion journalism, from executive director of Harper's Bazaar to editor-in-chief of InStyle magazine. Be right back. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is clear and vivid. And now back to my conversation with Laura Brown. You have a kind of laissez-faire attitude about style, which is very interesting. You don't have any rules and regulations. No. What, what would you say is an example of being really un, uh, objectionably unfashionable or out of style? What would be an example of that? Um, I'd say anything... Anything really self-conscious. I got anything really, I don't know, like a, a sh- I don't know. I haven't seen a guy in a shiny suit lately. A guy in a shiny suit? Maybe a guy suit, in a shiny yeah. suit. Yeah. But then it could be like ironic, you know, because then you can have a silver jacket and it's fabulous. I just think anything that anybody looks desperate in, and I don't know <laughs> what that good. is. The too tight dress, the whatever the thing is yeah. that, okay, you know what's not stylish is when you can smell the effort. Uh. When you're like, what's that? It's effort. It's like... So it really sounds like you're, you're, you're dealing with the idea of fashion and style as an artistic expression. Yes, and I think that that's, and that's what the people that, you know, who really thrive in the industry, and uh, uh, that's what they do. Um, that's why there's, there's a, a fashion for everyone. There's like Comme de Garçon that has like bubbles coming out of it and everything else, and then there's just like Calvin Klein jeans and a white tank top. But there's everything for everyone and every single, it's kind of amazing, you know, like every single look has its adherence and its, and its cults and its, and its tribes and it's, it's wild. Like when you go to a one fashion show versus another one and, and it's night and day the people that are there and that's really wild and what it makes them feel better to wear all black and, you know, a 
gothic hair and makeup and gnarled jewelry and like, that's great. And then someone else, somebody might be in a little like short May dress. So you look at severe gothic makeup and clothing as not desperate? No. I, I, you know, weirdly, I... What's desperate? Desperate. What's desperate? Trying to be sexy, trying really hard to be sexy. Oh yeah, I would object to that too. Yeah, just trying, <laughs> trying, if being sexy. If you're gonna sexy. be sexy, just be it. Yeah, exactly, don't be like, Ugh. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah. I don't know, I don't do wait, that. Wait, I don't have wait, much wait. to do that with, but you wait, know. I don't know, do that again. <laughs> Especially with, no, uh, maybe with the so. squealing I don't noise. Know. <laughs> That's my mating call, yeah, sorry. Can you think you can predict what styles, what will be in style in the future? For, I'll give you an uh, example. Right. I, 500 years ago or so, men wore tights. Mm-hmm. For the last few decades, I was sure they'd be wearing them again. Yeah. And I know at least one man who walks around New York in his skin-tight workout clothes. Oh, yeah. Pretending he's like, going to work out. And never does. Is he in our neighborhood? No, but I mean, do you think that that's going to catch on? And didn't they wear, what, what was Wim, it, women are wearing Women are wearing tights on the street well, it now. Gets, what oh, do you well, call you them? mean like workout, workout tights? Leggings, leggings. You call them leggings? I call them leggings. Leggings, tights, workout tights, leggings. Oh, yeah. They're good to work out in. I wouldn't, you I know, think I wouldn't go other places. But hey, you're a busy lady. You've got to drop the kids off. I mean, come on. Like, who cares? But no, I, um, I wear them too. I wouldn't wear them out. But that's just, that's my, that's, that's my, my ass, so ass's problem. <laughs> I, I want to ask you about your own badassery. Oh. I couldn't yeah. help noticing you're Australian. Oh my God, how'd you know? And I, you told me once that you, at a certain point in your life, mm. you wanted to get out. You were, did you, you grew Australia. up in a rural town, a Yeah, small I grew town? up in a far, on a farm uh, outside of Sydney until five when that was before the divorce. Um, but yes, yes, I grew up on a farm and then we moved Wait, to Sydney, you, me and my mum. You got divorced when you were I five? I got divorced. <laughs> Australia, they start you early, you know. Um, it's a convict thing. You, you yeah. mean your mom got divorced? My mom got divorced, my parents then, got divorced and I moved to the city, to Sydney with my mom. Ah, so what was it you wanted to get out of? Uh, I think the blessing and the curse of Australia is its distance. And especially when you're growing up, I was born in 74, so you're growing up in the sort of 80s. We didn't have internet. We didn't have social media. So everything seemed to beam in from another dimension. Like even American TV. I remember watching you, mm. like in the, my living room or something, and even American TV looked different. It looked sort of more stretched. I think I you needed a better no, set. No, I was, I was a drinker. I was an early drinker. But, but no, no. It was, there's a, there is a not dimension or whatever it is. A, the, the, it is a different resolution, maybe. Anyway, but everybody from America looked just different to us and sort of unique and something. And you so wanted you to go where to, those short, fat people where the, were? Where the wide people, where the very wide people were. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what yeah. you wanted to I leave wanted Australia to, for? I wanted to I leave Australia because that's a dump. But no, but it was, and also I think it depends on, on what you want to do with your life. If you're, like I was, wanted to be a journalist, wanted to be in fashion, and fashion at least, or the movies, or all that kind of stuff, mostly, not all, because there's a brilliant film industry in Australia and always has been, but most of it happened up here. Mm. And so I, you're just, and if you are 
hungry for information and, and you're a curious person, you want, and, and you want to be a journalist, you want to be in magazines, you've got to get up there. You've got to get up, up here. How at did you costs. know you wanted to be a journalist? How did you get into fashion or style? I, um, I just always loved magazines. And um, you'd buy them at the shop and they were three months out of date. You know, and you would just like go and get, it would get your Vogue and your Harper's Bazaar. And I'd be like a teenager and I'd be looking at supermodels. And, so you, and you, I just, you were reading Harper's Bazaar as a kid and then you yeah, wound up running I Harper's did. Bazaar. Well, second running. Yeah, yeah, wow. I did. I, I social climbed. Um, but... <laughs> But it, it was just a vision of it. And then, and also I think you would get news, especially then as well, a little bit secondhand. And I remember I was writing about fashion shows secondhand. I was writing about Helmut Lang show or something. And, and I was writing about it because I'd seen it somewhere. And I was like, I just want to see it. And, and that just infects you. Again, if you want to do what I do, you just have to go, you know. And it, it depends on what your idea of quality of life is. You know, so you went to the States first? Or? I went to London first. Yeah, and, um, and you went there cold? You didn't know anybody? Oh, or? man. No, I went with four, three other girls. We backpacked around, got drunk and got fat for three months. That was great. And then we came back and got, like, temp jobs and whatever, but I wanted to go to the shows and stuff. But I remember I decided I went to London and I was like, I'm going to freelance. I didn't know anyone. <laughs> One day I remember I didn't have enough money to buy a Diet Coke. I didn't have like 50p. And I was like, okay, I better get a job. And, um, but what I was so desperate because I was very close to Paris and that's where the shows were. And then so I got myself some freelance stuff, um, work for an Australian magazine. Uh, I think it was Harper's Bazaar by then. And, um, and I sent myself to the Paris shows and I didn't know anyone again. And it was like raining and everyone was so mean. And I was in like row how far does the alphabet, whatever the 27th letter of the alphabet is, that's the row I was in. And the models were just torsos, I never saw feet. And, um, and the only person I talked to was a waiter, like for like four or five days. So what was it, was, it sounds like you're the very definition of badass that you've been telling us about. Uh, what was it that made you know you could leave Australia, your mm. home, and make it in your in this very competitive profession someplace else across the ocean. What 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 did you have? I think I knew that I was able to be in the world, which was like I walk into a room and meet a person and get on with them. You know what I mean? Or I, I socialized well. I'm not like a socialite. I just socialized well with people. Uh -huh. And and you have but you have that sort of guilelessness. And when you're younger and you get on a plane, there's that too. And also, like, if you're from Australia, your worst-case scenario is going back to Australia. Like, okay, you know, so... You mean, you mean to give up and go back? Yeah, you mean to go back to Australia is not, no bad thing, but... So you just kind of go, and, and I just was like, I'll, I'll try. And then I, I moved, I've said this a bit, but, like, I, I landed in New York on September the 4th, 2001. Like a winner. Um, with, like, $5,000. So it was, like, the, you know, the worst time to move there but I don't know you're just you're just there aren't you I mean it's you, I think that now I, I think about it and I got god damn I moved there it was September 11th and I would make 700 bucks writing for a magazine and then I would take the check and I would send the check to my mother in Australia to put it in the bank there like just crazy stuff that now I don't know if I could do but there is something also about being Aussie we just kind of we just want to go uh, and I think that really, that, that helps us do well in a lot of places, but I think especially in, in New York, I think we're just happy to be here. I think that sort of colors everything we do. So even when 
I arrived when I arrived and look, blessedly I didn't lose someone or nothing bad happened to me. But I was never going to leave. I just was in it. I was there. And I'm 18 years later. Well, um, we're reaching the end of our... Uh, Dear God. Our, I'm sure glad you did make it. <sighs> me too. Because we're now, here together. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the thing. We always end our show oh, yes. with seven quick questions. Okay. Has anybody, has anybody ever heard the podcast who's here tonight? Yes. Yes. Oh, oh. That's, good. that's so nice. I'm glad to hear. So you know we do these seven questions. And we have a new set for this season. Ooh. Okay, here's the first question. What's the hardest thing you've ever tried to explain to someone? Math? Because well, I don't know how to do it. Uh, <laughs> I know I know a little bit how to do it. The hardest thing to no, I think the hardest thing has been trying to explain um, to someone that they're right for a job or something if it's in their DNA, which is very difficult to explain. Because if you're seeing somebody in a room, you don't just go like, you're the sort of person because you check boxes. I know because I feel it, but it's very hard to explain how I feel it. This is when you're telling someone they're right for a job? Yeah, or when they're like, I'm interviewing someone or I can just tell somebody's going to be good for a story or good for a job. Ah, I, I see. always say it's in their DNA. And then I just go, you know. Okay, here's number two. How do you handle a nosy person? Oh, reverse. What, you get nosy about them? No, I reverse. Physically. <laughs> what, your, your elementary go canal backwards. goes in backwards? I just or? go backwards. No, a nosy gossipy um, person. If I can't leave the table where I am, I just sort of shut down. But I, I physically or metaphorically reverse. Huh. I can't stand it. And we're I, all like, we all gossip and we talk about the news and everything, but like, and I'm a pretty open book about everything I do, but it's more gossipy people just, and, and like bitchy people than I just go. Well, I hope I never see that. So. <laughs> How do you... T- <laughs> I'm going forward. How do you tell someone they have their facts all wrong? Or do you? That's bullshit. Oh, that's what you say? Yeah, it's bullshit. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> What's the strangest question anyone has ever asked you? It's not the strangest, but it's the most annoying. What? Can I give you that one? Yeah. How do you get your ideas? <laughs> what do you say? See, I just, I know, I just asked you. I just asked you I the question. I, uh, yeah, and I go like, I don't know. I'm in the shower. I don't know. I can't sleep. I don't know. I'm in a conversation. But it's almost like somebody wants a PowerPoint presentation about how I get my ideas. And I'm like, I'm alive? <laughs> okay, I don't know. next question. Yeah. How do you stop a compulsive talker? Reverse. <laughs> What is this reverse thing? You mean you, you shut down? No, I, 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 or I just go like, great. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's a lowering. Great. Okay, here's like the mm-hmm. opposite of that. Number mm-hmm. six. How do you like to start up a real conversation with someone who you don't know at a dinner party? Oh, actually, this is helpful. It's more like social protection for me as well. But I do actually mean it. I say to people, and it is interest, but it's also because I might not remember who they are. I say, how's the empire? And e- so even if they're not if I, English. No, even if I'm not English. 
But it just means like, wow, because you're so successful in whatever you do that I've forgotten. Um, yeah, how's the empire? And then wow. they go, and then they might go, and then, but then they can lead, if they're a cool person, to a great conversation. Or if it's somebody I don't know so well, then might give me a clue as to who the hell they are. Right. Mm-hmm. I think if you said that to me, I'd say, what? <laughs> now you go, <laughs> Don't, yeah, right. I'd go in reverse. <laughs> okay, last question. This is really interesting All to right, me. All right, boss. What gives you confidence? Ah, uh, that you should envy no one. Huh. Uh, I say this to young people all the time um, when they're like, oh my God, that celebrity, they have this and they have that. And I go, yeah, but that celebrity also had a mental disorder or got rubbed in a bathtub like, or had a breakdown or had a bad marriage or had fertility problems or had da-da-da-da-da. So I think that what gives me confidence is like just an, equ uh, an equalization of all of us. And just knowing that if I'm in a room with somebody who is a grandee, mm -hmm. such as yourself, um, <laughs> The, we're just, what gives me confidence is having respect but not reverence. Uh, and yeah. I think that that is what breaks everybody down and then makes everybody be, and it makes so everybody you, communicate yeah. as, you, as you well know. So you feel equal to other people by having respect for them yes. but not being bowled over yeah. by them. Yeah. yeah, and it's not an ego thing. It's just like you're a person too and I somehow yeah. managed or try to manage to see that in everyone. Very nice answer. Thank you. Now, here's the nice thing. <laughs> we usually don't have a live audience when we do the podcast and tonight we do and now's a chance that we usually don't have <gasps> to get questions from you for a couple of minutes before we close the evening. So, uh, raise your hand if you have a burning question or one that's just smoldering. That would don't. be... Uh, 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 a go. pilot light of a question. Hello. Uh, very nice to meet you guys. You guys are great. Um, I do have a question. Why is it in this world that when men are considered tough, mm. a girl is a bitch? Excuse my French. I hope that's disappearing. I hope so. Uh, again, that's the sort of thing that, like, it's the thing that just sort of you don't necessarily want to keep discussing because... I'm wary of reinforcing it, you know, but um, I think that hopefully just, well, maybe, you know what? If you're a bitch, you're a bitch, right? But like... I am who I am. Yeah. So what does a yeah. woman do? Let me just take it a step further. Yeah. What does a woman do who's in a corporation where she's behaving as herself, which she has every right to do and yeah. in fact can only be effective if she is behaving as herself. Right. And... The, the consensus starts to be among the men who are in a position to hold her back that she's, as you said, bitchy. So what, what's the strategy she should adopt? Well, I have a hard one with that, and this sounds so pat and so blue sky because I'm always like, why are you in that bloody company anyway? But if you're up against some cabal of, of dudes that, uh, that think, I mean, hopefully wrongly, that you're that sort of person, then... Try to get out. I don't know. I hope that, the, again, those environments are hopefully going to disappear. I don't know. I don't know. But, like, I, look, I'm also lucky because I come from an industry that is women have had a, a great foothold in mm. uh, for a long time. So I haven't really, yeah, all my bosses are men, most of them. And, but they're, my bosses are decent people. So I guess I'm lucky. That's good. <laughs> yeah. How, how about another question? Alan, I'm wondering if you would answer your own question. How did you become so self-confident? 
Touche. Um, you know, <laughs> yes. That's an, I never had to answer that question. <laughs> you know, I, it's very interesting. I don't know why because, well, I just don't know why, but I've always had the ability to go to somebody and say, I need your help. I found out in college that they had a program where you could go to school in um, Paris during your junior year. So I was unafraid to do what I'm going to tell you about now. And I don't know how I had the nerve to do this. I went to every one of my professors and I said, I have to have a 90 average to go to Paris. What do I, what do I need to do to get a 90 in your class? Isn't that, it was kind of simple. Huh? Okay, yeah, but it's effective. Yeah, and some of them said, oh, you want to go to Paris? Just read the books and pass the tests and fine. And I had one guy who said, you want a 90? Earn it. And I knew I had to work extra hard in that class, so I was able to organize my, my work time, and I finally wound up going to Paris. Now, where did I get the confidence to do that? And I, I'm assuming it wasn't a bad thing to do. I don't think I hurt my education. I think there's a certain efficiency to it, frankly. Yes, yeah. yeah. And I'm a very shy, introverted person. I, I actually am. I don't like the telephone. I get anxious talking on the phone. Do you really? I don't like it yeah. anymore. No. I loved it when email came in. So yeah. the answer to your question is, I don't know. <laughs> so anybody else? Yes, yeah, so there was this lady here. Hi, I have two things to ask. First of all, Ms. Brown, when I was in the corporate world, there were some women who were trained for their jobs, but they were not very nice. It right. seems to me that you, in your jobs, would be assertive but polite about it. And that makes the difference. 100%. If people are rude to the people that they're working with, you know, be it men or women or whatever, yeah. Other people don't want to work with them, and sometimes that is a contributing factor as to why women are not. Um, I think that that's a, it's a way of being with people. If I have any criticism to give to my team or a member of my team who's done something, I, pr I say to them more often than not, you know that that wouldn't work. So I'm coming at them with some respect of having a, a brain, you know what I mean? And then, and, and, some, and so I'm not just pummeling them because there's no, because people often, you know, it depends. People don't recover from those sort of things. And what I do like to do is like um, shout theatrically and close my door just to see if anyone thinks that I've gotten someone in, in trouble. No one has. Yeah, I go, how could you? You know what I mean? And, then, and everyone's like, no, 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 no. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, okay. your second part. I, I did have another question. Yeah. Um, Mr. Alda, some years yes. back I saw you with a book signing. It was the one about your dog being stuffed. Or don't stuff your dog, as the case may be. I never got a chance to ask you the question. When you were working on Scientific America, uh, the Scientific Frontier show, you were the host for so many years. Did you have any degrees in science, or were you just interested in that show for the show itself? No, I was just interested in science. I've always been interested yeah. in it. And I, it was a wonderful education for me. to. Talk. I must have talked with... I think I tried to count once, and I think there were about 700 scientists. Mm. And we just had conversations, and I tried to understand what they were doing. And if I didn't understand it, I'd shake them sometimes. I'd say, <laughs> I don't get it. Tell me again in another way, until finally I would get it. And then when I would get it, the hope was the audience got it, too. Because sometimes these were very abstruse things, like... Uh, you could say abstruse. You, you were good. <laughs> abstruse. Abstruse. Go on. <laughs> That gets you going when I say abstruse. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. 
But I found that show amazing because you took, as you said for yourself also, very complicated scientific things and explained it so that the rest of us could understand it. So you know, thank you it was for that. a little bit selfish on my part because to me that's like poetry, it's science, or music. And I don't like being deprived of it. And I don't like the whole culture being deprived of it. Scientists see nature in a way the rest of us don't. They see under the beauty of the flower to the beauty of photosynthesis and other things happening inside it that we don't think about, we don't see, and we haven't got the language to talk about. And it, it, to me, it's as if you would say, starting tomorrow, there'll be no more music in the world. We're living that way in a way with science now. There's too little in our lives, and therefore there's too little pleasure that we can get from that. It's just, it's, uh, to, uh, the reason, one of the reasons I did the show is I wanted the pleasure of hearing it. Any other questions, and then we'll let everybody go home. Yes, hi. Who do you admire most in your life, and who is the most influential Who person? do we admire most, both of us? Yes. Yeah, why not? I'll let you go first. Who do you admire the oh, most? I, don't, I know it sounds, it sounds so lame. I don't have one person. I mean, I'm lucky enough now to be able to put women I admire in the magazine every month. They, I mean, how lovely to not be able to just pick one and, and just to... I think it's an incredible time for women now and, and an incredible forthright time, and we've got to, got to do it. So sadly, not just one. But. Well, I have one. You're going you're gonna to think this is a, a craven uh, asking for applause. I have one. It's a woman. It's my wife, Arlene. Thank you all for being here tonight. It was such a pleasure to be with you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. This has been clear and vivid. At least I hope so. My thanks to Discovery for being our presenting sponsor this season. All the income from the ads you hear go to the Center for Communicating Science at Stony Brook University. Just by listening to this podcast, you're contributing to the better communication of science. So thank you. For more information about the Alda Center, please visit aldacenter.org. I'd like to thank Laura Brown and everyone at Guild Hall who made this episode possible. We all had a great time, and I think we'll do more of these live audience recordings in the future. You can read more badass features by Laura Brown and subscribe to InStyle magazine online at www.instyle.com. And you'll also want to follow Laura on Twitter and Instagram at laurabrown99. This episode was produced by Graham Shedd with help from our associate producer, Sarah Chase. Our sound engineer is Dan DeZula. Our tech guru is Allison Costin. Our publicist is Sarah Hill. You can subscribe to our podcast for free at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. For more details about Clear and Vivid and to sign up for my newsletter, please visit alanalda.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Clear and Vivid, and I'm on Twitter at Alan Alda. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
Next in our series of conversations, I talk with cello virtuoso and my old friend, Yo-Yo Ma. We spoke a couple of days after I heard him give a spellbinding performance of all six cello suites by Bach. I think the most important thing that one can do as a performer is to be absolutely present. So here's my personal scenario. The hall is my living room. Everybody in the hall is here because I invited them to a party. I'm going to have a great time. Yo-Yo is inviting many thousands of people to his party. And it's some party as he performs the Bach suites in 36 concerts on six continents. His goal goes far beyond giving people a great time. Listen and find out how his Bach project inspires conversations and collaborations to help tackle local issues in each of the 36 locations where he plays. Next time on Clear and Vivid. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes.